This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, hello there. I'm Brett Johnson. I'm a former criminal. The United States Secret Service called me the original internet godfather. What, really? Yes, really. The way I ended up with that title was being convicted of 39 felonies, being placed on the United States' most wanted list, escaping from prison, and... I built the first organized cybercrime community. It was called Shadow Crew, and Shadow Crew was a precursor to today's dark web and dark web markets. It laid the foundation for the way modern cybercrime channels still operate today. Those 39 felonies, well, they had to do with refining modern cybercrime as we now know it. Guess what? I went to prison. Yeah, no surprise there. The actual surprise? The surprise is, is I had enough people who cared about me who helped me to turn my life around. Today, I work to protect businesses and consumers from the type of person I used to be. Welcome to the Online Fraudcast. Fraud, a noun, wrongful or criminal deception intended to result in financial or personal gain. I can go with that. Wrongful or criminal deception. It does not have to be against the law for it to be fraud. So that's important, understanding that it's, it doesn't have to be criminal for it to be fraud. It can just be wrongful. Wrongful because someone's trying to profit personally or financially, but it can also be part of a business that's, that's being fraudulent toward its customers. Say you take one of the largest banks on the planet and their customers, who may be a lot of merchants, perhaps this largest bank on the planet decides to treat their customers, these merchants, incorrectly, badly. Maybe they're lying to them about synthetic fraud because if they were to tell the truth to these merchants, that then the merchants wouldn't have to repay the losses, then the bank would. That's fraudulent. That's fraudulent. It's treating the customer wrong. It's treating their, their clients wrong for the benefit of that company, that bank. And that makes that bank not only assholes, but fraudulent as well. When Facebook decides to let Cambridge Analytica come in, collect and harvest all this data and try to influence the presidential election, that is fraudulent. When the Russians come in and try to manipulate the presidential election, that is fraud. When you've got all these selling platforms out there, and I don't care what platforms they are, if they're Etsy, if they're Shopify, if they're Target, if they're eBay, when you've, if they're PayPal, if you're processing stuff through PayPal, when you've got a platform like that, and that platform is not telling their customers that, hey, 
you know, we're being hit with this specific type of fraud. You guys need to be aware of that. When they're denying their customers, the people who are actually selling on the platform that's making these platforms so, so much money, that's making them rich beyond their wildest dreams, when they're not telling them the full facts of something, when they're not saying that, guess what? I view that as fraud too. When you run a company like seekingarrangement.com and the only thing you're doing is you're training young ladies to be prostitutes, to have a future in prostitution because maybe they don't have enough money. Maybe they came from the wrong side of the fence. Maybe whatever the hell that is. But when you're doing that, when you've got a platform that is basically the forerunner of today's prostitution, at that point, I would say that's a bit of fraud too. Not only is that a bit of fraud, but you guys over there are assholes too. That's what I would say. So we're going to be talking about a lot of different type of fraud here. You know what else is fraudulent? Fake news. Say one thing about Donald Trump. I don't care whether you like the guy or not, but he has brought the entire concept, the entire idea of fake news to the forefront. And it's not like fake news hasn't been around forever. Take William Hurst, William Randolph Hurst. What did he say? You furnish the pictures, I'll furnish the war. The guy didn't give a damn about the truth, the facts, or anything else. The only thing he cared about was selling his damn newspaper. And he sold a lot of them and became very rich doing it. So he manipulated the truth. Do we see that stuff still going on today? Oh, I would argue we certainly do. And here's the thing. I'm, I mean, I'm being a bit flippant about it. I'm being a little jokey about it. But the truth of the matter, I fully believe that fake news is one of the most important discussions that we need to have in our society today. The manipulation of truth, the obscuring of facts, the changing of people's perception. You know, the truth doesn't matter anymore. The truth doesn't matter anymore if you're part of any side of the media. If you're any politician, the truth doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is what someone can convince you of. One of the truly interesting things that's going on right now is it really depends on which side of the political fence you are as to where you stand on coronavirus. Forbes has written a piece about it, and a few others have as well. The Forbes article is titled, Republicans and Democrats are nearly divided in whether they think the worst is yet to come. So it turns out that if you're a Republican, that you tend to think that the worst is over. But if you're a Democrat, you tend to think, oh, no, the worst is yet to come. We, my friend, are in for one hell of a ride. Republicans are like, ah, la-di-da, everything's going to be kumbaya. Now, let me ask you, does anyone out there really think that everything is going to be kumbaya? No. Does everyone think that it is all gloom and doom, that we're all going to perish? I hope not, because I don't think that either. But what we're seeing is, is that depending on what side of the fence you are, is where you're landing on the media is portraying coronavirus. For example, today, 19 hours ago, the Charleston Gazette Mail published an article saying hot spots erupt, researchers warn of second wave in the South. And it gives Georgia as an example in the article saying that Georgia is going to go from 866 people on ventilators to 2,853 in the next 10 days by the end of the month. Now, that's a lot of people. That's a hell of a lot of an increase right there. Even in the worst possible scenarios, the likelihood of that happening Geez, probably not, guys. I mean, you're, you're embellishing. You're going a little hyperbolic right there. At about a 5% ventilator rate, that would mean about 50,000 infections in the next 10 days. That's 
5,000 a day. And guess what? Georgia's at about 500 a day right now. They've only been over 1,000 a day once, maybe twice during the entire pandemic. So we see that a lot of media, depending on where the media is coming from, are picking up reports which support whatever, whatever editorial or political slant that they've got. And it's, it's more than just the opinion columns or picking a medical professional that has an opinion that coincides with whatever media is coming up with the story. CBS. CBS, who I have a lot of respect for CBS. I have a lot of respect for, for all news channels. They do a great job, mostly. CBS used Italian hospital footage showing New York hospitals. That's right. So they, gave, they were given a story on New York hospitals. And instead of showing the New York hospitals, they used footage from Italian hospitals where the patients were laying out in the halls, where the patients were dying, being covered up with sheets in the halls, everything else. Now, CBS used that instead of using New York coverage. Any idea why? Well, sure you do. Sure you know why. Because those pictures coming out of Italy, those damn things were scary as shit. Those pictures coming out of New York, eh, not, not nearly as effective, guys. So, you know, we need to really send a message to our watchers, to our viewers out there. We need to drive it home. We need to protect them. We need to not tell the truth. We need to manipulate the truth. We need to scare these people into action because these people are too ignorant to act on their own, to act on valid, truthful factual information. That's what's going on. We had, we had the Guardian, and I love the Guardian. We had the Guardian come out with an opinion piece a day ago. The title is, Andrew Cuomo is no hero. He's to blame for New York's coronavirus catastrophe. How is he to blame for that? From what I understand, coronavirus came out of China. That's what I'm to understand. Now, you can bitch all you want to that Andrew Cuomo delayed, did everything else in the world. But you know what I know for a fact? I know that Andrew Cuomo right now, he is a hero. That's what I know. I know that of every single politician that I've seen in the United States, the one that I would want to lead this country is Andrew friggin Cuomo. Because you know what? He instills confidence in people. He gets on television almost every single day and talks about what's going on in New York, what they're doing to try to protect people. Like him or not, that's what the guy does. Democrat or Republican, that's still what the guy does. And he's doing a great, fantastic job at it. Fantastic. Continuing right along, here's an interesting one. There's an article that appeared a week ago, depending on which news source you read, kind of influences the way you feel about the article. So the article is about these armed demonstrators. You know, they had their weapons. They were in North Carolina, and they walk into a subway shop protesting the lockdown. Now, if you read this report on NBC News, the report talks about how one guy had a rocket launcher, how another guy had a, one of these huge-ass machine guns strapped to his back, and they just come in and, you know, we're protesting and la da 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 we're mean asses. And they sit down and have a meal. If you were on TMZ, though, TMZ actually took the time out to point out that the rocket launcher, yeah, the guy walks in with a rocket launcher, a replica, well, an inert one, one that won't work. The machine gun that NBC mentioned was wooden. Now, NBC doesn't mention either of these facts in their write-up. TMZ takes the time to point out that, hey, this machine gun is, is wooden. 
this rocket launcher is inert. Now they had actual weapons with them too. They hadn't, they weren't brandishing the weapons or anything else. They were just strapped, strapped and ready to go in case anything busted off at subway, you know, they were ready to go, but they weren't like waving the weapons around or anything else like that. They went in, took some selfies playing Mr. Badass. You know, I, I think that I'm looking at a picture right now. One of the guys has got a, an American flag wife beater on. Now I can't say the guy's probably the smartest guy on the planet, because, I mean, you can't be too bright to wear an American flag wife beater. I think your IQ probably drops 25, 30 points at that point in time. But it's his right to do that. In North Carolina, you can carry around weapons like that. The replicas, it's okay for him to carry around a replica. Somebody can carry around a replica of a Civil War cannon if they want to. It's will be heavy as shit, but you can carry it around if you want to. So he's allowed to carry that around. This country is built upon the idea that if we disagree with something, we can protest it. We have that freedom in this country. We, and, and we, the people that are out there that are watching these protesters, we don't have to like what they're doing. We don't. But by God, they've got the right to do it. That's the point. They've got the right to do it. We don't have to agree with every single person out there protesting. We don't have to agree with every single person out there marching. We don't have to like everyone on the planet or everyone in this country. But... This country affords every single person the right to voice up their opinion, their dissension, everything else. We'll be back in just a moment. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. So what are we talking about today? I'll tell you what we're talking about today. The other day, I had a great conversation with Doug Shadell over at AARP Washington. He runs the fraud segment for AARP up in Washington. He is an outstanding individual, and I am proud to call that gentleman my friend. And I never thought that I would be able to call someone Honestly, guys, I never thought I'd be able to call someone like that friend. I really didn't. You know, I spent a lifetime as a criminal, and uh, to be able to be on this good side of the fence, it is a life changer. It truly is. I am, uh, I'm appreciative every single day of the life that I have and the people in my life who look after me that, um, that I can call friends. And I'm res- I really appreciate you guys listening to me. You know, I, I go off a lot. Anyone who listened to that first segment a few seconds ago, I mean, you know, I go off. I am not shy about giving my opinion. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes that opinion comes with consequences. Sometimes I piss people off. Sometimes I call a bank a bunch of assholes to their face on stage, and I'm not invited back to the conference the next year. I learned my lesson on that. I did. I don't think I changed my opinion. But I learned my lesson. I'll keep those opinions to myself or I'll voice them not at a conference. (laughs) So 
But I was talking to Doug, and Doug is an outstanding, he's an amazing human being. He, is, he has worked his entire life to protect people against fraud. His entire life, he's worked against that. His entire life, he worked against people like me. Let's be honest, he worked against people like me, and I am just, I'm beyond thrilled to be able to have Doug Shadell as a friend of mine. But we were talking, and he, he's doing this, he's working on a public service message, and he asked me, he was like, Brett, what would be your public service message? And I thought about it for a second, they didn't take me long. I thought about it for a second, and my public service message is the exact same public service message that I used to give to criminals, to criminals, when I ran Shadow Crew and Counterfeit Library and when I was an administrator on Carter's Market and all these other and Scandinavian carding. I was part of Omerta. Was it Omerta? No, I wasn't part of Omerta. I was part of Mazafaka. That was it. When I was on Mazafaka and an administrator on Carter Planet and everything else, I taught the exact same, or I, I preached the exact same public service announcement then that I would now. What is that? So, Brett, Brett, give us this little nugget, dude. What is this little nugget that's so important that you used to preach to criminals that you think the good guys need to know, too, as a public service, a PSA? I'll tell you what it is. It's pretty simple. Never act out of desperation. Think about that for a second. Never act out of desperation. And in the past few episodes that I've talked about, I've been talking about that. What happens when people get desperate? Well, what happens when people get desperate is bad choices. Now, when I used to preach that as a criminal, I meant never, never do anything out of desperation. Always prepare. Never get yourself in a situation where you feel compelled to have to do something. Never act out of desperation. Never do that. So if you're a credit card thief, never get in a situation where you have to use the exact same drop address twice, the exact same phone twice, where you have to show your face in a store. You want to try to show someone else's face in a store where you have to use a drop that's close to you or a friend's drop or a family member for a drop or something like that. Don't do that. Never act out of desperation. If you're committing tax refund fraud or today, if you're committing stimulus check fraud and you're getting some of those prepaid debit cards that the government is so great about sending out right now, if you're getting that, you really don't want to be so desperate that you feel that you need to walk into a bank to use their ATM. Never do anything out of desperation. Because when you do things out of desperation, you, we're going to use some French here, when you act out of desperation, you fuck up. And you don't want to fuck up, especially if you're a criminal. If you're a criminal, you fuck up. That means prison. You're going to go behind bars. You're going to learn how to poo in front of other people. And let me tell you something, that, that, my friends, is never fun. On the good guy side of things, I talk about desperation a lot right now, because right now, Historically, what's happened is criminals have been the ones to act out of desperation. They need to get the money out of the accounts quickly. They need to pick up the item as fast as they can. They need, they need the item shipped as quickly as they can. They need to use that PII from the breach as fast as they can. The bank logins as fast as they can because the bank logins are going to die. The PII may be flagged. People, people may have their, their credit frozen automatically these days because a lot of breaches come with that credit monitoring or frozen accounts and things like that. <laughs> 
Credit card, stolen credit card information has a shelf life on it. So criminals tend to want to use that as quickly as possible for, before those accounts are closed. They want to get the items in as quickly as possible, the money in as quickly as possible. They don't want to sit there and wait knowing that, hey, why would I let 10000 or 20000 or $100,000 lay in an account it can be shut down at any day. I need, to, I need that money out of the account as fast as I can get it out. So they tend to act out of desperation. The interesting thing about coronavirus, COVID-19, is that that desperation model has done a complete 180. Now criminals are no longer desperate. No, 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 no. Criminals are calm, cool, collected, and calculating. The four C's of fraud. Calm, cool, collected, and calculating. Meanwhile, everyone else, financial institutions, retailers, merchants, security companies, consumers, they're all the desperate ones right now. The government, desperate. Everyone is desperate except the criminals. For criminals right now, it is a field day. Everyone's acting out of desperation, but it's not just COVID-19. The entire idea of successfully committing cybercrime or frauds or scams is to make sure that the victim, whether that victim be a retailer, a financial institution, a consumer, who have you, the entire idea is to get that person to act out of desperation, to get that person to fear loss to get that person to act out of fear, out of uh, fear of loss, out of fear of necessity, any other thing like that. So you've got these COVID things, you know, you'll, you'll get the text message or a phone call from what looks like the WHO or the CDC saying, hey, we've done some contact tracing. It looks like you've been in contact with someone who has acquired COVID-19. The chances of you having it is pretty high. We need you to test. So, of course, they'll try to talk you into giving up PII or paying for the test or whatever that would look like, acting out of desperation, trying to scare you into that. I spoke with Debbie Montgomery, and her episode is going to be coming up on the broadcast. I spoke with Debbie Montgomery a few days ago about a romance scheme that she, was, she fell victim to. She lost a lot of money. She lost over a million dollars to the scammer. And she takes exception to me using the word desperation, saying that people are not desperate. And I agree with you, Debbie. I agree. People, a lot of, a lot of victims do not fall into the traditional definition of desperate. Yeah, I'm using that term. I think that, and I'm sorry to say this, but I think that even you fell into that desperation. The, the victims of romance scams, it's about fear of loss. It's about companionship. It's about convincing the person that, hey, we need to do this to benefit both of us. It's that urgency that's placed in there, that companionship, the urgency, the friendship, the fear of losing something, the, the need to act immediately, the need to get the victim to act out of some sense of desperation. And desperation's not always the, oh, that's not always desperation. Sometimes it's, it's low-level desperation. But it's still enough desperation to get the victim, whether the victim be a person, a business, security company, financial institution, whatever, to act at that point. My public service announcement that I told Doug, and it took me maybe five seconds, and I told him, I was like, you know, I would say the same thing to the good guys that I say to the bad guys. Never act out of desperation. Don't let desperation fuel your choices. Sit back for a second. Think about it. If you're feeling desperate, something's wrong. If you're feeling that you need to act, if you need to act, if you feel that you need to send someone money who has asked you for money, never, never act out of 
some sort of necessity. I feel I have to do this. That's what I'm talking about with desperation. I feel I have to do this. I have to do this in order. I have to give up my PII so they can track this COVID-19. No, you don't. I have to give money for a test. No, no, you don't. No, you don't. Get bent. I'm not giving you any money. I'm not giving you any money at all. I'm on a dating site and someone asks for money to pay for a subscription or whatever. Get bent. Get bent. That's exactly the attitude we need to have. That's exactly the attitude we need to have is not acting out of desperation. Because when we act out of desperation, bad things follow. You lose money. You lose PII. You lose products if you're a merchant. Right now, the government is acting out of desperation with COVID-19, with the stimulus stuff. They've got the Paycheck Protection Program. They've got the stimulus checks. They've got all these different programs going around. They've got the unemployment insurance, another $600 a week. And you know why? Because the government was desperate to get it out to the people who needed it. Scammers know the desperation is there. They can feel it. They can smell it. It's like blood in the water, and they're the sharks. They can smell it a mile away, three miles away. And you know what? They're feeding on it like sharks, too. Because the desperation means open doors. The desperation means bad decisions. The desperation on the government's part means there's no security in place. The desperation on consumers' parts when they're hit with scams means that their guard is down. Their guard is down because they feel that necessity to act and act quickly, immediately, out of desperation. And when that happens, bad choices happen. Whether you're a financial institution, a government entity, a consumer, a retail merchant, Right now, Target. Target is being hit with $20,000 refund fraud. Are you fucking kidding me? $20,000? What the hell can you buy at Target for $20,000? Well, it turns out you don't have to get it out of Target. Target's got this entire little eBay-type platform where third-party sellers can come in and sell MacBook Pros or generators or what have you. Well, guess what? You can buy from that, too. $20,000 worth that crap. Then you claim it didn't show up, did not arrive, torn up, whatever that is, up to $20,000. You pay some dude on the internet 25% to request a refund from Target. Works 100% of the time right now. And the criminal walks away. Everybody walks away except Target with profit. Well, it's not really true either. That third-party seller that's selling on the platform, they lose their item and they lose the money they thought they had made from that item. That's what I was talking about at the beginning of the show. I mean, it's, it's kind of fraudulent for these platforms. I don't care if it's Shopify or Target or eBay or PayPal or who have you. It's kind of fraudulent for these platforms not to disclose that to the people who are using it. Hey, we're seeing this type of fraud right now, right now on our platform. We've got people that are coming in claiming that items didn't arrive. We've got people that are filing claims on PayPal saying that the item's torn up or not exactly as described, and they're getting their money back, and the person who's selling the item is losing most of the time. They're losing the item and the money. So never act out of desperation. That's a message you third-party sellers out there, too, you mom and pops. You, you know, you're somebody who's just trying to sell something. You know, you've got a, maybe a collectible statue on eBay or something like that, and you get somebody that buys it. They're paying for it with PayPal. They get the item. Then they file a claim with PayPal saying, hey, it's not as described. It's broken. It's blah, 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 whatever that is. What does PayPal do at that point? PayPal doesn't err on the side of the seller. PayPal errs on the side of the buyer. So they give the money back to the buyer. The buyer gets to keep the item and gets his or her money back. Of course, that's not told to all these sellers out there that that type of fraud is happening. Seller doesn't know it until, by God, they're hit with that type of fraud. Never act out of desperation. If you're a seller, if you're a business, if you're a security company, right now we're seeing merchants, 16.7 
percent decrease, a 16.7 percent decrease in retail sales. The largest, the most damaging, the most gloom and doom estimate out there was 12.3%. They were saying, oh, it'll never get past 12.3% in losses and decline of sales. Well, it went to 16.7. Good job. You guys were wrong. So now what are these merchants doing? Well, now these merchants are saying, well, you know, we just, we need to make sales. We need to make sales. They're desperate. They're desperate. And acting out of desperation, what does that mean? Well, that means that a lot of those orders, a lot of those, a lot of fraudulent orders are going to go through because the merchant doesn't want to lose a potential legitimate order. So a lot more fraudulent orders are going through. They're acting out of desperation. So that's the public service message. Never act out of desperation. The second part of that is always verify. Always verify. Never act out of desperation. Always verify. Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. And again, I don't give a damn if you like the guy or not. At least he was fun. But Ronald Reagan said, trust, but verify. It's okay to trust people. We're Americans. We want to think the best of people. We want to think the best of customers. We want to think the best of consumers. We want to think the best of anyone who contacts us. It's okay to trust. Always trust. But always, always verify. Because you know what? If you're not verifying, you're taking fake news at face level. You're taking those fraudulent orders coming in at face level. You're taking that person who's buying that product from you at face level. You're taking that person that's asking you for your PII, your credit card information, or to send them money. You're taking that at face level, or you're verifying only a couple of levels deeper, but you're not continuing to go. Or maybe you're verifying, but you're acting so much out of desperation that when something comes back and it doesn't verify or, or come back as it should, the person doesn't really work there. Or maybe that the, the picture doesn't match up or the story's not quite right. But you're so desperate to do whatever's going on that you kind of just you know gloss over it. Well, there's a reason for that. I, I can understand why, why that story didn't match up like that. Well, you're, you're justifying it for yourself at that point. Never do that. Act objectively. Verify. And never act out of desperation. That is my public service announcement for this episode of the Online Broadcast. When we come back, another edition of The Unethical Life. Oh, yeah. And we're back. We are back with another edition of The Unethical Life. That's right, The Unethical Life, because living as a criminal, living as a fraudulent person, living as one of these hustlers is more than just about stealing money. There's an entire lifestyle about it. So I, I tend to visit, I tend to visit over on Reddit a lot. And, and Reddit's got a couple of these subreddits. One of them is called The Unethical Life Pro Tips. And I got to tell you, honestly, a lot of the stuff that's on there is complete bullshit. I mean, it's just stupid stuff. But you know what? I kind of like to go through it and comment about it. So let's move on to the unethical life pro tips. Need to talk to your senator or congressman. Pretend to be a donor. You will get front of the line treatment. Okay. That's probably true. I mean, they only talk to people that's going to give them money. You can pretend that you want to donate a lot of money to them. Then they'll talk to you. And guess what? Unless they see the money, they're not going to do shit for you anyway, because let's be honest, all those politicians out there, the only people they care about are themselves. So if you're not benefiting them monetarily or bringing a bunch of votes to them so they get reelected so they can make even more money and have more influence and more power and more money, they're not going to do a damn thing for you anyway. So useless on that. Here's one. The thread reads, hungry, broke, go to Chipotle and grab a bag. And then he actually walks through it a little bit. He says, walk in, look at your phone, look at the bags, look at your phone, act like you found the right bag, and leave. You know what? 
There's no doubt about it. That would work. And this kind of feeds into this unethical life that a lot of people like I used to be did. When I, when I was in college, me and a buddy of mine, we were in Lexington, Kentucky. We would pick up the phone. We would go through the phone book and we would call restaurants. That's what we would do as we, we were working in a telemarketing company. And when we had some free time during calls or, you know, in between calls, we would go through the phone book and we would call a restaurant. And we would say, you know, me and my wife, we came in there the other night and we had your meal and it was horrible. It was burned. It was missing, blah, 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 blah. What does the restaurant do at that point? They offer you a free meal. So we would stagger out every single night, you know, okay, what day can we come in to pick up our free meal? We can come in Monday. So we'd have Monday covered. Then we'd have Tuesday covered. And we'd plot the entire week with whatever restaurants we wanted to eat at. We'd just try, we'd either go in and eat or we would just drive by and pick it up and take it home and eat. So we didn't have to, you know, we were poor college kids and I was a fraudster. So at that point it was all about, okay, how do we eat through the week? And that was one of the ways we ate. We just call, you know, McDonald's, not only McDonald's, but the steakhouses too. call Outback. We came in there and got, we got the big steaks other than that. We came and got the riblets over at Applebee's. The riblets were burnt. Oh, sir, we're so sorry. What can we do? Well, you know, I don't know. What can you do? Well, we can offer you a free meal, replacement meal, if that's all right. You know, that that's exactly what I would like. I really do appreciate it. You guys, usually you're outstanding. You do great work. It's just that one night, you know, they were they were burnt. It was just not very good. And uh, not only were they burnt, but they were cold. Sir, we sure are sorry. We'll replace that meal for you free of charge. Kind of get your name. Yeah, you can get my name. I'll tell you what, I'll come in Wednesday and pick that up. How's that sound? Sir, just call us before you come and we'll make sure we have it ready for you and it'll be all right. So that's that's what this guy's feeding into. They're able to pick it up at uh, pick the bags up right now at Chipotle and other restaurants because they're already pre-made with COVID nineteen. But this other technique of just calling the restaurants and claiming that something wasn't right, it'll work just as effective now as it did then. So that's this unethical life that we're talking about. Let's move on to the next one. Oh my God, you guys got to hear this. So this guy says, I need a favor. How do I kill my neighbor's vegetable plants that they planted on my property without permission? So this guy's actually asking this. And my first, my first response was, dude, you are just one petty asshole. That's all you are. Are you really upset because someone may have planted a, a carrot or two on your property? Seriously. So you want to find out how to kill it? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you how to kill it. You go get some Roundup. Spray it down with Roundup, that'll, that'll murder the thing right there. That poor carrot's life is cut short right there. Rabbit's not going to get it, nothing else. You ain't going to get it, he ain't going to get it. Nobody's going to get it, the carrot's dead. But you know what I would do is if I knew that you had sprayed my poor precious carrot down that I, actually, that I accidentally planted a couple of inches over on your property or maybe even a foot or two on your property, if I knew you had killed my plant with Roundup, I would go and buy one of those big like gallon tubs those gallon containers, or maybe five gallon container of Roundup. I'd get my backpack sprayer on. I'd load it up with that Roundup. I'd go out at two o'clock in the morning in your yard and I would use that Roundup. And what I would do is I would use that Roundup to draw a 50 foot penis in your yard. That's exactly what I would do. And I would laugh and I would laugh and I would laugh. Then I would go down to the grocery store and I would buy me the biggest bag of carrots on the planet. And I would get me some ranch dipping sauce and my lawn chair. And the next morning, or actually a couple of days later, when that, when that big penis actually came out, all that grass was dead for me, that big 50-foot penis in your yard. I would have my lawn chair out 7 a.m. in the morning, pointed at your yard with my carrots 
and my ranch dipping sauce and I would be eating my carrots when you walked out in the front yard and saw that Roundup penis in your front yard. That's exactly what I would do. I'm just saying that's exactly what I would do. Moving right along. Here's one. <laughs> this is, how do people who evade taxes get caught? Well, you know, it's not that difficult to get caught when you don't pay your taxes. It's really not. The United States government wants you to pay taxes on every single thing, period. If you are a drug dealer, you are supposed to pay taxes on those drugs that you're dealing. If you are a credit card thief, you are supposed to pay taxes on that. If you are stealing people's stimulus checks or tax refunds, it is your responsibility to file taxes on those stolen funds. I shit thee not. You are supposed to file taxes. How do I know? Because I did not file taxes on my frauds. And I owe the IRS money for those unfiled taxes today. You are supposed to file taxes. Now, anyone out there who has watched Ozark also knows the rest of the answer. The rest of the answer is, is all that unwashed money, all that money that you've not filed taxes on, you cannot really use that for more than buying food, blowing it on strippers, that kind of stuff. You can't go and buy a car with it. You can't buy a house with it because the IRS is going to wonder where the hell you got the money to pay for that car, to pay for that house, to pay for that $12,000 vacation if you take that $12,000 vacation. You have to be able to explain where that money came from. And when you can't explain where that money came from, that, my friends, is what gets your ass in trouble and you get sent for, to prison for evading income taxes. Moving right along. All right. Best places to do a did not arrive on MacBook and I, iPad Pros. So he wants to know where he can order a MacBook or an iPad from. Claim it didn't show up and get the refund. I'll give you the answer to that. Right now, it's Apple. Apple's doing refunds, and any number of criminals can get a refund from Apple up to $10,000 right now, $10,000. The only thing you have to pay is 25% of whatever your order total is. So you want that MacBook Pro, you use your credit card, you go over to Apple, you order it, say $2,700, you contact a refunder on Telegram. Refunder is going to charge you 25%. So you get that MacBook Pro for what, six. Six six fifty something like that. That's how you do that. And again, you shouldn't be doing that. It's uh, work it out, dude. I promise you that if you work it out, that you'll respect the item and help a lot more than just stealing it. Okay, you never respect what's stolen because it's stolen. You don't have a, you're not invested in it. You don't appreciate the value of it. You misuse it. You neglect it, and you're worthless for doing it. Na 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 na. Hey hey hey. Goodbye. As you can tell, my singing career never really took off, but my career as a criminal, boy, did it go places. Prison mostly. Now I'm a good guy, and you know what? That's it for this episode of the online broadcast. Thank you for listening. You know. We've got so much fraud to talk about on this show. I mean, a lot of fraud. So please continue to tune in. Also, feel free to drop me a line saying hello. I really, I mean, I really like it when you say hello. You can reach me at brett.johnson at onlinefraudcast.com. That is brett, B-R-E-T-T dot Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N at onlinefraudcast.com. You can reach me on Twitter on Facebook, LinkedIn, or 
directly on the website, www.onlinefraudcast.com. And yes, I also want to hear what you like and what you don't like about the show. And hey, please tell people about the show. Rate and review the online broadcast. Help others find out about us as well. And here's my promise to you. You will always get the truth from me. No holding back, nothing left out. And I will always work to protect you against the type of person I used to be. Until next time, stay safe, stay secure, and stay vigilant. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.